What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that will highlight people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today, we're actually going to take a little bit of a twist in personal finance and talk about travel hacking with a, prof- I'm going to call you a professional travel hacker. I have Kara from Instagram, where I, we met first on Instagram is Aunt Kara. Kara, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on. We have not had a chance to really have a one-on-one conversation yet, but have been supporting each other on Instagram for so long. I was like, yes. I got to have her on the show. I love your account. <laughs> I love yours. Uh, and for those of you out there listening, Kara is not your typical personal finance uh, per, uh, poster because her her posts that she has, she's been doing this for so long. She has like so much more perspective than like your regular like Gen Z or millennial po- person who's posting like, I just saved this or that. Like Kara's been doing this, okay? Her stuff is tried and true. <laughs> so, <laughs> Are you trying to say I'm old? I'm totally kidding. No, no you just got the experience. You got the wisdom. You got the, well, because what it is too is like when you go online. I don't my age, so that's okay. <laughs> well, you know what it is? I can never tell your age. This is why so many creepers try to hit on you on Instagram because you're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think it's important for people to know that because I think a lot of times you hear a lot of you know different advice from people and you don't really know. You're like, okay, well, for example, investing. Like, oh, did you start investing recently because you haven't really experienced a market crash? How are you going right. to be giving advice? And, and that's totally true for me. Like, I started investing after all. This is the first time I'm experiencing a, a downturn in the market. So, yeah. you know, you, sometimes it's good to know the person that you're hearing talk is tried and true. Their experience is Okay, for, for a very long time, knows, Karen knows what she's talking about and she knows what she's doing, okay? Yeah. Um, hey. So I want to, if for anybody out there who doesn't know about you on Instagram and doesn't follow all the tra- travel hacking and um, debt-free community posts that you do share, tell them a little bit about yourself, Kara, and, uh, and what you do. Okay. So I um, created an Instagram account two years ago. It's like officially two years now. And um, wanted to talk about anything and everything personal finance. So mm-hmm. I have... Um, I'm 48 years old and I've been um, really dealing with adulthood for, you know, 25 years. I've, I've had a long IT career and um, we've made a lot of good decisions along, along the way. And um, my nieces and nephews have asked me many, many questions over the years. I have plenty of millennial nieces and nephews. I have seven <laughs> plus a great nephew now. Oh, wow. And, yeah, You're yeah. like me. I have eight nieces and nephews. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're very close, but as they got older, we kind of spread apart and I wanted to have a, some kind of platform where I could still communicate with them and tell them the stories that they're used to hearing me tell them in person and kind of say, here's my advice. You know, when you're going to look for a house or when you're starting your new job or when you're deciding to think about saving for kids or college or, um, you know, retirement, that it's, um, something that I still have an avenue to communicate with them, you know, when we're, all have our busy lives. So I started up this Instagram account. I ran it by them first. I said, what do you guys think? Does this make sense? We have a big group text. And they're like, I think it's perfect. That's exactly what you should do. I said, all right. So, well, so I said, let me, let me get this thing going. And then um, over time, you know, I've covered all those topics, but it was sometime last year, I started talking a little bit more about my travel hacking too. Mm-hmm. So one of my big passions is travel hacking, which is basically being able to significantly reduce the cost of your travel through points and miles with the various uh, travel loyalty programs. Yeah. And so um, that's something I've done for a long time. I really picked it up, um, like picked up the pace with it in 2012. So since 2012, wow. I've, I've 
I've hit it really hard because we do have four people that travel now that I have two <laughs> kids and, and my husband. Um, and so we, um, I'd, I'd post some things and put some things out there about what we like to do. Cause it's a big, a big passion of mine. Like I'm super yeah. into it. And then lots of people started asking me more questions about it. That's and they're like, right. tell, tell me more, tell me more. Yeah. My, my following got bigger and people, you know, my, you know, my foundation is good personal finance. So, and yes. I never want to lose sight of that. You know, when I do travel hacking, which involves, um, you know, opening up credit cards and, and mm-hmm. routing a lot of expenses through credit cards, understand mm-hmm. that I have no credit card debt. And so yes. those, those principles and practices of good personal finance never go away because of travel right. hacking. But I was right. kind of hesitant to talk too much about it because I was afraid I was giving conflicting messages. I but hear so, that. I yeah. totally hear that because I, I, that's the same thing with me. It's like I talk about personal finance a lot, but I do use my credit cards a lot. It's, I don't have any credit card debt, though. And so, yeah. it's you know, people sometimes they don't understand that, that that clarity is so important. But I, right. think, I mean, you know, I think there's a right balance and I feel like you've you figured it out. People trust your personal finance advice and they also know you for travel hacking at least that's right what and seen. I think I have the credibility because I right. didn't like go out of the gate and people didn't you know people got to know who I am and what yes. I stand for you know we we don't we don't have we have two houses we don't have mortgages on those houses yep. we have um two kids that their college is fully funded now um, and you did that through investing early right you did uh, yes, Raphael, um, you did 529 right yep we opened yeah. up 529s as soon as as soon as they were born and wow. c- continue to contribute. I, I have lots of posts out there about, you know, how we went about it. Yeah. And, and once our mortgages were paid off, that's when we really started putting a lot of money into their college savings because it was like, okay, yeah. now we're going to direct our money over here. Yeah. You know, Just pretend that you're still paying the mortgage, but that's instead cool. put it in there. I love that's that. Exactly, yep. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. So, you know, again, all those principles never change because I travel yeah. hack. So I, yeah. I don't, I don't, um, I don't ever want to, people suddenly think I'll just dive into credit cards and sure I'll pay them off at the end of the month and right. then something comes up and they can't pay them off at the end of the month that was always my fear but it seems like people get it and know where mm-hmm. I'm coming from mm-hmm. and trust that I'm not reckless about my travel exactly. hacking and I think exactly. that, that's why I kind of hesitated but boy people I mean when I when I put Q and A's out there, they just all and I get that's what I get DMs on. Yeah, all that's the time. right. Yeah. That's right. It's but so it's funny because so fun when about. I first well when I first found your Instagram handle, I found it through the hashtag debt free community because right. I, once I got debt free, I started seeing more debt free posts and I you mm-hmm. know I was meeting a lot of people in the debt free community and um and and also the thing about that is the debt free community is so it's such a wide range. I mean you have like the Dave Ramsey people, you also yeah. have like the Fire people, you have so many people that are they all follow the debt free life, but yeah. they, they might have different principles and beliefs and, and strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I remember finding you through there and then going to your page and we're like, Oh, like she's a travel hacker who also does like debt free community posting. And so it was just interesting to me that combo, but now I get it. It's like, no, you started with the personal finance stuff. Right. And, and I love that it was for your nieces and nephews. That's why your aunt Kara. Yeah, that's so exactly. Cute. It was funny to, to, yeah, to say, what the heck should I call myself? And I was yeah, like, yeah. you know what? <laughs> I'll call them whatever, you know, call what they call you. Yes. I love that. And you know what it is too. It's like you, the invaluable advice that you have for your own nieces and nephews, why limit it to them? That advice is so helpful for anybody, not just your own nieces and nephews, everybody who can hear you give that advice will benefit from it. So I love that you were kind of like, I want to give my nieces and nephews this advice. I'm also going to take it to a place where, you know, we can connect, but also other people can access it too. And it can help them and their kids and their nieces and nephews as well. 
as just, yeah. just yours. Yeah. And I try to put, um, I, you know, I don't try to just like throw out, you know, clever words of wisdom and generalities. And when I, when I share something, I'm saying, here's the right thing to do, or here's what I believe in. I give a story behind it to say why. Now, sometimes my Mm -hmm. nieces and nephews or, you know, my real nieces and nephews already know, (laughs) already know, you know, the background, but I try to put a story behind it. So people understand what my experience was and why I feel the way I feel about something. So I always try to put that in there because I do want it to be something that can help the broader audience, not people just that know me personally. That's right. And also that they would have context for your situation so that they don't make those assumptions like, oh, she's taking on all this debt, da, 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 da. It's like, no, she actually, you have the the full picture of her story. Um, Well, I love that. So what what I've been doing is I've been having this show because I realized that when I was in debt and I felt stuck, I didn't really have, um, like people were asking me once I kind of became debt free, they're like, how did you do it? Like, how did you stick with it? Because a lot of times you just lose motivation or you just stop budgeting and you don't start again. And you know, then you kind of go off track. And I was like trying to think about what is it that kept me going. And for me, it was the stories that I was reading about other people's and other people's success and other people's journeys. So I was like, you know what? I think that's probably going to be the most helpful thing is to highlight people and then their stories so that that inspires more people because, you know, stories is how we, we th- humans thrive off of stories. That oh, is what yeah. we, that's how we learn. That's what we like to tell. That's what we like gossip. That's just how we are, you know? Yes, so I thought it would be, yeah. So I thought it'd be great to do that, but we are going to jump into a little bit more about your story, a little bit about your background, how you even decided, you know, to, to, to do all this stuff financially, to get into the mindset, to pay off your mortgage and all of that. But I want to start with two fun questions first. Okay. So, okay. So the first fun question is what is the most expensive thing that you ever spend money on that to this very day, you still regret it because you think it was just ridiculous and you wish you could take it back. (laughs) Okay. So my, our our worst decision and my husband and I do always make joint decisions. There's never a time where when we're spending money, a decent amount of money that we're doing things that the other doesn't know about. That's bad practice, right? You know, um, so it was when we purchased a, a lot in a subdivision, so some land in a yeah. neighborhood that, um, that was really, when we look back on it, 100% an emotional purchase. And I'll, mm. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, so it was, was $25,000 mm-hmm. and this was in 1997, so a long time ago. Yeah, I was about and, to say twenty five thousand dollars for land. When would this no, must have not yeah, been recent? Exactly. <laughs> no, it was like it feels like a lifetime ago. But um, but it was at a time where um, we were ready to move back. We live in the Midwest. We were ready to move mm-hmm. back um, to the area that we live in now. Yeah. And we, um, but we weren't we weren't there yet. But we were so ready to get back here. So even before mm-hmm. we moved we bought this land because it was right by my sister. It was right next door to my sister. Nice. From a, like looking at real estate. And this was before my husband was in real estate. He's in real estate now. So uh. we would never do this. Now. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh boy! But the lot itself, there was nothing special about it. It backed up to another, it, the thing that was special is it was next to my sister, oh. but it, it backed up, it backed up another subdivision that was a completely different value of a subdivision than, than the one we were going to build in. Yeah. Um, it was very much like it, we were so desperate to get back here. It almost made us just feel better to buy something. Like we, we felt like we were one step closer by buying yes. this lot. Um, and it was, it, it, it was more of it, all the reasons were all emotional. It was by family. 
It was yeah. uh, made us feel connected. Mm-hmm. And from a from a value perspective, the neighborhood wasn't selling fast at all. Mm. The, the lots weren't going up in price. The location of the lot, like I said, didn't back a subdivision. It wasn't a like in the heart of the subdivision. It was like right. on the outskirts backing another neighborhood. It was oh. completely ridiculous. So we held on to this lot for a year because we found another house nearby that was a foreclosed house, you know, cul-de-sac, we have water behind our house, like a completely different, like it's so yeah. similar to what we were going to build. We're like, okay, we're not building anymore. We're going to just buy this house and forget wow. the lot. Well, the lot sat on the market for over a year. I think we sold it for a thousand less than we paid for no, it. We were doing, money. We, we were paying because we didn't pay cash for it. So we were paying interest every month for this oh. lot. And it wasn't a, and because it was like a loan on land, it wasn't even that great of a rate in comparison to like loans on house. Yeah. It was just the dumbest purchase. We're like, why did we ever do this? We lost money. I mean, we didn't lose crazy right, money, right, right, right. but it was at that time. It was a big deal. A $25,000 purchase at that yeah. time for us was a That's big right. deal. That's the, right. The most expensive thing we'd ever taken wow. a loan out on. So yeah. that was my dumbest pur- purchase that wow. we always go, why did we do it? We know why we did it. But we're like, God, oh, that was so dumb. We were yeah. just, just young and desperate and just ready to come back home. And it was mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, Motion. it makes sense. It makes, it makes, yep. I, and I, that, that's one of the things I think most people regret is purchases that they make purely with their emotions. And in mm-hmm. behavioral finance, there's all this stuff about um, system one brain and system two brain, right? Like in mm-hmm. that, I forget the name of the book. It's uh, it's Daniel Kahneman, that the Nobel Prize winning economist, um, Thinking Fast and Slow. Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. That mm-hmm. book, he talks about how your brain, when you're about to make a decision, especially financial decisions, you have two parts of your brain that could be activated to make the decision. But most people go on impulse and they use system one brain, which is your feeling brain. That's the brain yeah. that feels in, in the gut. Like, yeah, this is what I want in my gut right now. I'm just going to do it. And then there's system two brain, which is the thinking brain where you actually calculate like think consider and think about all the things like is it going to increase in value is it in a good location all the things that you just said like you thinking about it system system two brain would have said absolutely not this is not great it's the only good thing about it is that it's next to your sister but most of the time we don't make decisions with system two brain we make decisions with some system one brain and that's what makes us regret Yes, no so, doubt. Yeah, no system doubt. two brain, you guys got to tap into that system two brain, which means don't make a decision right away. If your gut is telling you to buy something, pause, wait on it, write down all the things, the pros and cons, and then come back. The purchase should, if if it's a good purchase, it should still be there when you come back. You know what I mean? It's right. not going to disappear like that. But right. um, okay, I, I, I love that because it, it points out that like you, you got to think about your purchases and is it logical? Is it sensible? Don't just do it because it because think you think it's going to make you so happy, right? To be right, right. next to your sister. Uh, yeah. Okay, so what about on the flip side of that, a time where you made a, a big purchase and maybe mm-hmm. somebody else might look at your budget and think that you are just out of control. Like you, that, that's ridiculous that you just spend that much money, but you actually are so proud that you made that purchase. It was worthwhile for you. You're happy and glad that you did it, even though it was expensive. Right. Okay. So the funny thing about this next example is absolutely another real estate purchase, but the way you just described it and all the things we thought and when we look back at it, our absolute best purchase was um, when we bought our, we, we have a second house 
that we purchased just two years after we bought our first house. And let me tell you, wow. so when I when I call it a house, understand it had no heat, it had no air. I oh, mean, so it was wow. not a year round. It was right. like six hundred ish square feet. Okay, and we're tiny. in the Midwest, so that's that's <laughs> tiny for you guys. That's that's, that's, that's big tiny. for New York City, know, but that's, that's small why, for you. <laughs> right. That's why I had to give that disclaimer. I was like, oh, um, that's a lot of space. Wait, wait, wait. Right. Context, context. <laughs> right. But so it is. Um, it was a house that had a lake view, and you mm-hmm. had lake access, so we were able to have um, nice. have a dock and a boat that's and really things nice. like that. That that's mm-hmm. ours. And it was, so I'll I'll tell you the prices on this. Um, So this was in 1999 and this house was $39,000. What? Yeah. And so that does not happen. That's like a price from the eighties. I I know. I know. And so it was, it was one of the smallest houses. It's in a neighborhood, but again, Mm. it's, it's at a lake community. Um, But, and it was a place where, my parents had a place as well that we had gone up to our our whole lives. And my husband, mm-hmm. I've known him forever. So we did, we, you know, we'd been going up forever. Um, it was one of the smallest houses there, which was a good situation to be in. And that's why it was, it was so cheap. And again, it was, it was yeah. like a more of a cabin, a cottage, what we call them cottages, because they, mm-hmm. they don't, they aren't year round. Um, and the, oh, that's you know, difference the, the between increase, a cabin and a cottage. The cottage, the cabin yeah. is year round, and a cottage is not. I didn't know that. I'm learning today. Uh, well, well, no, I don't. I don't know. There's, uh, we always kind of laugh because we've called it so many things over the years. Because now it is a whole. It is yes. really a home now because it's been completely yeah. redone, and it has heat and air, and it has another. We built a upper story and built out, and it's a whole. Oh, nice. Okay, oh, so you guys hooked it up. You hooked it all the way yes. up. <laughs> so we there are only two of us when we bought it, but then we had kids, and we needed more space and more space, and then your kids yeah. get big, and then they want their friends to come, and it's just it, everything grows. So yeah. anyway, the fact that we bought that was, I mean, it, it is our special place, and and we felt like when you were saying that everybody was like, why would you get that? We felt a little self-conscious because the perception of having another house, even, and we were still in our late twenties, I think, I guess um, when we got it. And it was um, just two years after we got our house. But the good, the lesson with that is when we bought our house that I'm still in today, 22 years later, right here, where where we've lived forever. um, We, we bought a house that was way less than we could have qualified for. So we yes. had a lot of wiggle room for, you know, when we turned around and bought this, put another 39,000. I mean, we didn't take out the loan for the whole thing, but we did take out a mortgage yeah. for that, but still them together was still well within our means. We, we were at a time too, where our careers were, I mean, continuing to grow. And so yeah. as far as, you know, what we could qualify for and what we could afford. And we, and at that time, again, we didn't have kids yet either. So we weren't paying mm. things like daycare and, That's right. and starting to save for college. So we had, we had, you know, a, some wiggle room with our, yeah. um, you know, with our finances that, that didn't, that didn't kill us to take out this extra loan. And again, it was a 39, it's the price of a car now, you know, it's not. Right. <laughs> right. But back then, I mean, you know, money was it different. Was, yeah. I mean, it was a, I did, I, I knew a couple people that probably had some cars that were hanging around 39,000, some luxury yep. vehicles. So I kept yep. saying, you know what, this is a better investment than, than buying than a, any a, car. a fancy car. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah. That's right. That's a smart yeah. move. 
yeah i mean also that's our favorite our favorite you know yeah thank goodness we did it like one of our smartest moves ever like financially with with a purchase yeah right and i mean it's it's also i mean it's a lot of probably strategic searching on your end because you found a foreclosure like that that's if you can find a foreclosure and uh save a lot of money on that that it's not it doesn't come every day when people are looking to purchase real estate but i i mean you know, and I, I haven't ventured into real estate, but I know that if you're lucky enough to, to come across a foreclosure and you can save a lot of money that way, then whew, yeah, you end up, uh, you know, saving a, a oh, bunch. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. And it, that was when this house, again, this was the one that was the foreclosure, what caught our mm-hmm. eye because we knew this house was here when we were still insisting we were going to build on that other lot. And yeah. then I forget how many weeks and weeks later in the listing, it suddenly said bank owned foreclosure. And my mm. husband and I then looked at each other and we're like, mm, ding, we, ding, probably ding. Better, we probably better go look at that house because I think we're going to have a lot of room to negotiate because the original price of this house when was they first so, listed yeah. was so, because somebody overextended themselves and it wasn't worth what they were trying to get. And oh, so it kept yeah. coming down and we saw bank owned and we're like, uh, we probably yeah. better reconsider our whole thing. Yeah. So then that put us in a good position for this house. So that is, oof, that's awesome. Yeah. You lucked out and yeah. you oh. made the right moves too. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's a combination, yeah. combination. Yep. Cool. So tell us yep. about, I mean, one of the things that I like to believe, and I mean, it's not true for everybody, but I've noticed a bit of a trend with this, that a lot of people that I know, they have a money mindset about them, right? Like either they handle money, you know, recklessly. And that came from something in their upbringing, or they're really responsible with money. And either that came from their upbringing, or they made a huge change like me, I used to be reckless. And then I you know, changed my, my money mindset. And but I, I still think a lot of it comes from is rooted in um, how we were brought up and what early experiences were in our yeah. lives. So could you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? What were some of the early memories with money specifically or money lessons that you remember from your household growing up? Right? Well, I definitely came um, from parents who didn't believe in um, in credit cards, which is kind of uh, funny now because with my travel. That's hunting, literally that's what all you did, cutting up credit cards. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, they, um, but they were very much, they lived beneath their means. My dad was yeah. a, college pro, a college professor. My mom yeah. was a stay-at-home mom. She was only taught for a couple of years out of college and then, then had, had us girls. I have two sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, but very much live beneath your means. We, we were not doing anything extra. We, we had a good solid house, nothing yeah. too fancy, but it, you know, it, it did the job and, um, and we weren't doing extravagant. We weren't wearing the fanciest clothes by any means, the name brands. We weren't yeah. going, we weren't right. dining out nonstop. We weren't right. going on, we were driving to vacations and the, you know, to, anything was a vacation if you got to, you know, leave the house. So, you know, I mean, it was a, it was pretty conservative and my husband's family was the same way. I mean, yeah. and it was, they valued every dollar. They, you know, they, they, my parents paid off. I remember that they paid off their house when I was still in high school. And so, oh, wow. because they, because they stayed in their house for almost, almost 50 years. I mean, when wow. all was said and done and we just, they, they just moved by us a couple years ago, but um, yeah. So I kind of had this model of like, you go somewhere, you stay there, you pay it off and you move, you know, and, and you live beneath your means and you yeah. save, save, save. I remember my dad talking to me about his retirement. Cause I asked lots of questions. I was definitely uh-huh. always interested in money when I was little. I'm the youngest of three. And I had a lot of years where it was just me at home after my sisters were off. And, um, yeah. and so lots of questions about how money worked. And when I was young, definitely was looking for, um, 
ways I could make money. I did tons of babysitting. I worked at clothing stores. I worked at a pool concession stand when I was in wow. high school. And um, why do you think you were so entrepreneurial? Or maybe that's not the I right think, word, but maybe it's like, you know, you just knew you were savvy to make money and save. I think I think I liked the um the independence and the control is my yeah. my theory is that yeah. I like to be able to call the shots on like, I didn't have to ask someone for something. I didn't yeah. have to say, can I please have like, you know, yep. can, can I please have those, those, those pair of jeans? Yep. Like, and to yep. hear like, no, because they're twice as much as the kind that I'm willing to buy, you know, that right. I didn't even have to hear that. I don't have to yeah. ask anybody. I, can I just, just buy it with like, my own money. I mean, right. I, saying that it was like power sounds a little weird, but you know, but like it's it control. Was, yeah, yeah. But it was control and independence and being self-sufficient. So that's yeah. just the way, like, I always wanted to be able to be like, I can do whatever I want with this because it's yeah. mine. And I think that's like that's something awesome. in me was like that. And I, I do feel like that's why I was always motivated to, you know, to try to yeah. be in control or whatever. That's awesome. I feel like I never had that. And I think maybe it's because my, I mean, I like to think like my parents, they never really modeled that for me because when they first came to this country, they were just very much like, they were just so happy to be here. They were just so yeah. happy that they could come to America, that they could live here. And so they were very um, complacent and like, you know, um, they were, they were, yeah, like government assistance, they would just take whatever they could get food stamps, take whatever they could get in assistance. And I never really saw them like being go-getters like above the bare minimum that you can get from the government right. and, I, I, and I I feel like maybe because of that I kind of got a little bit of that like I was so like you know meek and I, I didn't I was too shy to like ask for help or to try to um, make money or work or to like anything I, I was just always like getting handouts like if you know applying to college those college applications were so expensive instead of like getting a job and working I was just like oh I think they have um college application waivers in my high school. I can just get those waivers because we're low income. It was like my mindset was just so dependent on getting handouts. And it wasn't until after college and I started working, making my own money, like a real paycheck that mm -hmm. I said like, oh, having this money and being able to do what I want feels good. I want more and I want to be able to have, right. you know, be able to do money right. But, you know, right. for you, like you had that early of like, I want to be able to have money and do what I want. Even as a, as a kid, it was in you for whatever right. reason, which I yeah. think is, is amazing. Cause then it, it led to you being so curious about money with your parents. Like, Oh, uh, tell me about this. Tell me about that. And if you didn't ask, I wonder if your parents would have sat you down and taught you about a 401k, you know, like, yeah, I wonder I, and I don't, I don't know. Cause I, I can tell you, I mean, my sisters and I kind of laugh. I, they didn't ask as many questions as I had. <laughs> And so I think, yeah, some of it was probably like just me showing the interest and, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and them going, okay, we'll tell you more yeah. if you ask or whatever. Um, but it is, I think, you know, when you're young, I mean, you're so, you're so influenced by, you know, Your what friends, you see, what, what you see and what you see. Yeah. And so whether it's a, um, the model you want to emulate, or I don't want to be that way, mm -hmm. or it's even your friends. I mean, I had, fr I had friends that were very well off that got everything they wanted all the yeah. time. And like, I couldn't wait to go to their house and open their closet. And, oh my gosh, look at, look at what you get to wear every day, you know? Yeah. Like, and then I had friends that were opposite end of the spectrum where mm. it was a whole, I mean, I had a lot of visibility to you know, I, I don't yeah. want to, you know, money and yeah, and yeah the people, spectrum, the, the, the wide find, spectrum, find, right. Like I was system. good friends with them that I was in their house. I saw the family dynamics. So I feel yeah. like I was exposed to a lot of things. And then I yeah. saw my, my personal situation, but your example of, you know, you, you only know what, 
what you see when you're yes. you're young and, yeah. and you don't you didn't have the opportunity to to see other examples to the right. you know in the way you were after you graduated from college so. yeah that's right that's a great point that's a great point because you only your mind is limited to what you know at each point of mm-hmm. your life at that point i literally only knew what my parents were modeling and stuff until so, you know you get exposure to different things as you go through different phases of your life so that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that okay. So you were just like a curious, natural um, oh money learner. Like you wanted to learn about money early. I, 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 I love that. And it makes so much sense that that led you to become the type of person who would follow in those savvy, financially savvy footsteps of paying off your mortgage, of you know living within your means, and doing all of those things that have been modeled for you, but also that you sort of like you know b- built and developed in yourself after working for for your own money for a long time. Right. That makes yep. sense. Yep. Um, okay, cool. So now tell us about your travel hacking. Like what are some, like somebody who just heard you say, well, I don't know if you mentioned it, but I don't know if you guys know this, but on, so first of all, Aunt Kara on Instagram, over 16,000 followers. So we're talking about whatever she's posting is clearly of quality and value to so many people. But on your Instagram, when you go on there, it says um, over $65,000 that you have saved from travel hacking. How do you save over 60 grand in travel hacking? What are some of like, it may be just even the basic tips for people listening that are like, oh, I want to save money traveling. Like what, what are some of those, uh, some, some quick go-tos that, that you've done that they could right. potentially do? Right. Well, um, you don't just jump into the tra- travel right. hacking without understanding, um, you know, you've got to be good with your money. You yeah. need to understand what your ultimate goal is. And I tell people yeah. that all the time because people just say, oh, I hear there's a lot of great credit cards that will earn you all kinds of points. So what mm-hmm. one do I want to sign up for? And I'm like, I have no idea where you live, where you yep. want to go, how yep. many people are going what type of vacation you enjoy, like you need to understand and it takes a lot of research. So this isn't something that doesn't take much time investment because it takes a lot of time to learn the things that I know at this point. I've spent many, many hours, but you want to understand like what your goal is first and then doing the research behind what airlines fly to a particular destination, what Mm -hmm. hotels are located there. If you decide you're going to jump in and go sign up for a Hilton card and then you go to a location that doesn't have a Hilton property and you're like, wait a second, Mm. my whole, the whole point of me doing this was, you know, to To go on this this trip and, and they don't even have my hotel there. So you have to, you have to have a strategy and that's always what keeps you motivated too. It's just like with money. Like if you say my goal is to save this much money by this date or, or to pay off this much amount of money, um, you know, whatever that you are going to end up being more motivated to do that. Like you can see the finish line and you can feel the sense of accomplishment and go, this is worth, this is worth it. I know this is inconvenient and I have to do all this extra stuff, but I know what I'm going to get in the end. And that's what has always kept me motivated. So even today, I mean, although I have, points in all kinds of different accounts now. And I have all kinds of different credit cards that are aligned with different loyalty programs. Like before I take my next step, I say, what am I going to use this for? Like, why do I want to sign up for this card? What would I, what would I apply it to? Because if I don't know, there's a good chance that that's just going to hang out there. And I'm never going to really use it. You shouldn't even have it if you don't know. Right. No. So that's what I always tell people to do, but there's so much good information out there with all the blogs and I don't have a blog and I don't want to replicate what all those great guys do out there yeah, because yeah. it's already there and I use them all the time. So yeah. once you say like, Oh, I'm really interested in Southwest. Oh my gosh. There's just endless information out there to find out how people earn their Southwest miles, how to earn mm-hmm. a companion pass, which I do talk about on my, my, my Instagram yep, account. I've seen it. Yep. Yeah. And I, 
Southwest is one I absolutely love, but, um, but there's so many things that if you want to see the fine print, you know, you can, you can go into the websites themselves, like Southwest website, you can call up Southwest customer service and ask them these questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even still do that where I'm like, I am not clear. If I do this, will this mean, what does, will this, happen? does this yep. count or should I, yeah, and, and they'll explain it all to me. So you have to yeah. take the time to invest, but in the end, you wind up with $65,000 worth of pre-travel over the last, um, you know, eight years and it's totally worth it. But, um, you know, the, the fastest way and the, the, the most popular way to earn, to earn miles and points quickly are credit yeah. card signup bonuses. So everybody yeah. knows that. And there's a lot involved in that and you don't want to get in too fast because there's always a minimum spend, not always, of course. almost always a Most minimum of the time, spend yes. require. Yep. There's also annual fees. So yep. you have to look at the big picture and say, is this really worth it? How yep. long, how long, and is this card worth hanging on to, you know, yeah. beyond the first year when I get this sign up um, yeah. bonus? Because some I say, yes, absolutely. It's worth hanging on. Some of them I go, no, just downgrade it to a no annual fee mm. yep. or just get ri- rid of it. So it's, um, it's a very individual preference type of hobby like you know you you need to what I do might not be exactly what what you would do to hack because you know you have different interests in your travel than I do I I travel Uh domestically almost Uh 100% I have Uh friends that do travel hacking and all they care about are the international airlines and they care about different hotel chains that are more popular abroad so like I'll talk to them and I'll be like yeah I don't really care about that that hotel right. brand. I don't care right. about that card. That doesn't do anything for me. I like for these me, cards. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. It's, it's individualized for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Now, my thing is with travel hacking, I, I don't, I can't say I travel hack. I definitely have hacked a couple of trips that I've taken and I do save a lot when I use, like, for example, I fly JetBlue a lot. I have the JetBlue credit card mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I, I got grandfathered in because I had the old one. It was an Amex first and then it got changed to MasterCard. So I still have the old one where you can get six times the points when you use it to buy JetBlue flights which I do a lot. And for work, I buy a lot of JetBlue flights and then I get reimbursed and then I get six times the points. So with JetBlue specifically, I've been, whoo, I've been taking advantage of that. (laughs) But, um, but at the same time, I start hearing other travel hackers and you mentioned it a little bit where they say like, Oh, I'll open up these credit card. I'll get all those sign up bonus points. But then I close the credit card a year later. And in my mind, I'm like, you are just going to mess up your credit scores. So you have to let me know if you open cards and you get these travel bonuses and then you keep closing them. Isn't that going to, aren't you going to have like, horrible credit after that because of all of the inquiries and then closures and then how do you keep good credit but also travel hack right so well one of the things is I don't close all the cards I sign up for so that's one thing too I mentioned downgrading is is something that Mm. people completely forget that they can do that there are that that there are that they're now not every card has this has this the option but but you can actually downgrade to a no annual fee version and it's not a credit poll. You keep the same exact card number. They just, they'll send, they'll issue you a new card and you you don't, you don't earn this at the same rate that you did the old way. But if you are trying to establish credit history, which is a big component of your um, credit credit score, score. then you, you think like, well, you're right. Keep opening and closing. Then your length of history with credit is going to be impacted because it's just looking like you won't, I mean, they're going to see the trend that you don't keep things for very long. You open and close. The the thing that um, I have to remind people with me too is again, I've been working for 25 years. I've had credit cards for 22 years. So I have 
a huge credit history. I've had mortgages. I've had all kinds of different like years and years yeah. of whether it was a car loan or something else. So I have a yeah. lot of credit history. So me opening and closing cards and, and I don't mm. do it. Like the last card I opened was yeah. last summer. So I haven't opened a new one for a while. Now Mark just did two in the last seven months, but, wow. um, but, <laughs> but because we were trying to get the, the yeah. Pass. Yeah. Did one is a business card. One is a personal card. Gotcha. Um, but because we have all these other things that work in, work into our credit history, our yep. credit scores are still above 820. So wow. we're wow. able, we're able to maintain it, but, but not everybody, people Can that are much younger that. than me yeah. might not have yes. that same history, but we pay things on time. We That's pay right. things, you know, we, we pay things for a long time. We have a good credit mix of we've taken out um, secured loans versus unsecured loans. That's so right. that credit mix is better. Mm-hmm. So the, all of those things keep our score pretty stable. If we take, yeah. if we apply for a new credit card, there might be a tiny little dip, but yep. the dip isn't something that takes us into a new credit rating. Exactly. Like we're not going to go down where suddenly we're not like a plus whatever no, credit rating. Not, not, not for five points. That's no. not, no. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. honestly, you can see within like three to four months, it yeah. goes back up to where it was before. So That's we right. don't, we don't see that happen, but, um, but I don't want to give off the impression that every three months I'm signing up for a new card because that's not right. the case at all. Right. And I don't close all of them. All my hotel cards I've kept open for many years because yeah. they all have a free night associated with them every year, which is yeah. way the annual fee is way less than a free night at the hotels that you can stay at. So that's it's right. financially like it's it's worth hanging on to. That's um, smart. But there are a few that that I'll just say I'm going to just downgrade. And then I may, I may end up closing it within a couple of years. If it really is just sitting around in my drawer or whatever, and I'm Mm -hmm. not using it, sometimes I'll just like close them out. Mm -hmm. But if it's a no annual fee card, there's a lot of times I'll go, why not hang on to it? Yeah. Why even close it? Like you don't even have to pay a fee on it. Might as well. Right. Right. So, um, you know, and I have a couple that are the ones that I've had for a very long time. I'd never think about closing those because those are the ones that help establish that length of credit. Exactly. So yeah. yeah. So two things there, right? Like the first thing, which is huge for people listening or watching to this is, or watching this is that if you, have a credit card with an annual fee and you don't want to keep paying that annual fee instead of assuming that the thing you should do is close the card call up and see if you can downgrade it that is huge because mm-hmm. that will not require you to close an account which will hurt your you know length of credit which will hurt your you know all of those things mm-hmm. your utilization might get affected so that's the first thing which is, I think is a huge tip there because a lot of people don't think about that at all. And then the second thing that you talked about was really what are the factors that even get affected when you do this, right? Like if the amounts owed on your credit card are always paid on time and you keep your amounts owed low, which Kara does because she pays off her credit card every single month and she doesn't have mm-hmm. any credit card debt that she carries, then your utilization is going to be fine. Right. Your payment history is good if you always pay your bills on time. Those two go hand in hand. And then if your length of credit history is really long, like Kara's is, that already right there is 30% of your score's utilization. 35 is your payment history. 15 is your length of credit. That's already, what's that, 80% of your credit score. And the other two 10% little things are the new credit and the credit mix, which your new credit will get a ping every time, like she said, but it's only like, what, three to five points, seven points, and then it comes back right. after a few months. So it's, it's really a 
I, I totally hear that. And I think for a lot of people, they don't really remember that the things that they're doing uh, could affect like multiple parts of their credit score right. or multiple factors. So it's important to realize, okay, how is this going to help me? How is this going to hurt me? If you have a really long age of credit and you're paying all your bills on time, you're probably going to be good to go. Um, right. But otherwise, build up that credit history first, and then you can try to do all the travel hacking that Kara's doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta build up to it. There's levels to it. You can't just jump to level right. three. You gotta go through level one and level two. Right. First. And I wasn't, I wasn't travel hacking like this in my younger years. I was actually doing it the old fashioned way. The reason why I even understood the concept of redeeming points and miles for free travel was because I was a, a consultant for eight mm. years out of college and had to travel weekly. And so I was oh. staying at hotels and flying every, sometimes multiple times a week. And I was earning those points and miles the old fashioned way and oh. realized, oh my gosh, if I get, you know, get up to this level, I'm going to actually, we're going to be able to take a free vacation. So that like introduced me to the concept. And this was back yes. in the mid to late nineties is when oh. I was like doing it that way. Then I kind of, when I changed careers a bit, um, took a break from really being that aggressive with hacking. And then yeah. When I wanted to start traveling again more in 2012, my kids were older. Um, yeah. We knew there were some big things coming up that we wanted to go to. And I go, we got to figure out how to make this happen. I think I better get mm -hmm. back into travel hacking. Smart then, girl. Th then we had all those years of, of his credit history that luckily were good yeah. that enabled us to really get going right away and go hard with the hacking. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, that helps. It's smart that, you know, cause sometimes you do, you know, you just, you think you're going to go, go, go. But if you just take a break for a little while, when it comes to credit and, and borrowing, it actually helps you to take a little yeah. break and because it just builds more credit history more uh you know more um you know payment history and it and it's there's not a ton of activity going on opening closing all this stuff like it that actually does help you so yeah. I mean, sometimes you just gotta yeah. take a chill pill and build out that credit <laughs> history and then you can come back to the hacking yeah um awesome well first of all thank you so much Kara, for this conversation this was so fun i i i really have been like just on your instagram for so long and i haven't had a chance to be like let's connect so i'm so glad that we i'm can so make this glad happen. you did too yes this, this is so great i learned so much about you that i had no idea and also just more about like why you started your whole um profile and i'm just yeah i love it i'm in awe of how savvy you've been your entire life with your husband around all your financial moves you're just Hashtag goals, okay? Hashtag uh, goals. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So before I wrap up, I always like to ask this fun question, which is um, in Photoshop, I'm going to take a dollar bill and I'm going to wipe away George Washington's face and I'm going to put your face on it. Ooh. And then above your face is going to be the money motto or the, the money message or money mantra that you want everybody to hear. So anybody who okay. touches money, sees money, transacts with money, every time they, they interact with it, they're going to see your money message on the dollar bill. So what would your money message be so my money message would be that and actually it could actually apply to more than money but that your life is created by the choices that you make mm, and so good. we've talked yep. about all the financial choices I've made so clearly yeah. it, it it applies to money but um, sure. you know beyond beyond that you know that's something I wholeheartedly believe in and it all comes mm. to you know accountability and the power that we actually have that um, maybe you didn't know about or realize maybe yeah. earlier in life. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm someone who truly believes that we should all be accountable for our actions and that we have the ability to shape and create our life. So whether yeah. it's 
financially or any other way. Yeah, so that's I, my motto. I love, I love that motto. And it, it does, it speaks to me in what you said in a lot of ways besides money too, because I've noticed that about myself, just like with little things, like with family, like I always like to complain that my family is too big. There's too many of us and it's hard for us to stay in touch and to be close. But what have I really done to try to, you know, help? Like, have I created a family chat group? Have I tried to set up like family calls? Like I haven't really done anything. I'm just complaining. And then once I start right. to take action and I start to see, oh, I made the choice to, you know, do something about it. That's when I started to see more change. Like even, you know, with that little example, my family's so much closer now because we're all, you know, connected online and in all these different ways. But that's just one way I know in my life that like, it's true. Like your life is literally created by your choices and you can mm -hmm. sit around and complain or you can get up and do something. Or you can that's do something about it. it. Yes. Right. Yes. Do something about it then. Yeah. And, and I, we all, I mean, I'm not perfect. I mean, I have to tell myself that, you know, yes. when I realize I'm in yes. that situation where Same something I don't like continues to happen. And I'm like, yep. well, then I better do something about it. Right. right. Or like, otherwise it's, it's going to happen me. again. That's yeah. Right. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, in, you know, you are empowered to make changes when you mm -hmm. don't like what's happening. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. I love that. That's a great one. I can't wait yeah. to put it together and share it. I'm going to tag okay. you. And of course, you know, you can let everybody know to come find your money mantra on your dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Awesome. All right. So everybody out there listening, you already know all about Kara's story now and like how, just how inspiring all of the choices that you've made. If they want to reach, reach out to you and let you know that listening to you today or watching you inspire them, uh, where can they reach out to you? I mean, maybe it's just Instagram too, but just, you know, let mm -hmm. folks know where they can contact you if they want to. Right. So, so my Instagram account is aunt.kara. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a link on there to my email, which is aunt.kara71 at gmail.com. But, awesome. um, but yeah, Instagram's my, you know, my way, way you can DM me or follow me, email mm -hmm. me. And, and I try to be as responsive as possible. So awesome. I, All right. I, Thank you so much, Kara. This was so fun. And um, I will let you know when all this content is available and when all the things are good to go. Uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time and, and hope that, you know, you continue to be healthy and safe and happy and that you enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right. Thank you for inviting me. It was of fun. Course, of course. It was so fun.